0: Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton, Chapter Four. As soon as his wife had driven off, Ethan took his coat and cap from the peg. Mattie was washing up the dishes, humming one of the dance tunes of the night before. He said, "So long, Matt," and she answered gaily, "So long, Ethan," and that was all. It was warm and bright in the kitchen the sun slanted through the south window on the girl's moving figure on the cat dozing in a chair and on the geraniums brought in from the doorway where ethan had planted them in the summer to make a garden for mattie he would have liked to linger on watching her tidy up and then settle down to her sewing but he wanted still more to get the hauling done and be back at the farm before night all the way down to the village he continued to think of his return to mattie the kitchen was a poor place not spruce and shining as his mother had kept it in his boyhood but it was surprising what a homelike look the mere fact of zena's absence gave it and he pictured what it would be like that evening when he and mattie were there after supper for the first time they would be alone together indoors and they would sit there one on each side of the stove like a married couple he in his stocking feet and smoking his pipe she laughing and talking in that funny way she had which was always as new to him as if he had never heard her before the sweetness of the picture and the relief of knowing that his fears of trouble with Zena were unfounded sent up his spirits with a rush and he who was usually so silent whistled and sang aloud as he drove through the snowy fields there was in him a slumbering spark of sociability which the long Starkfield winters had not yet extinguished by nature grave and inarticulate he admired recklessness and gaiety in others and was warmed to the marrow by friendly human intercourse at worcester Though he had the name of keeping to himself and not being much of a hand at a good time, he had secretly gloried in being clapped on the back and hailed as old Eath or old Stiff, and the cessation of such familiarities had increased the chill of his return to Starkfield. There the silence had deepened about him year by year. Left alone after his father's accident to carry the burden of farm and mill, He had had no time for convivial loiterings in the village, and when his mother fell ill, the loneliness of the house grew more oppressive than that of the fields. His mother had been a talker in her day, but after her trouble the sound of her voice was seldom heard, though she had not lost the power of speech. Sometimes in the long winter evenings, when in desperation her son asked her why she didn't say something, she would lift a finger and answer, "'Because I'm listening,' and on stormy nights, when the loud wind was about the house, she would complain, if he spoke to her, "'They're talking so out there that I can't hear you.' It was only when she drew toward her last illness, and his cousin Zenobia Pierce came over from the next valley to help him nurse her, that human speech was heard again in the house. After the mortal silence of his long imprisonment, Zina's volubility was music in his ears. He felt that he might have gone like his mother if the sound of a new voice had not come to steady him. Zina seemed to understand his case at a glance. She laughed at him for not knowing the simplest sick-bed duties, and told him to go right along out, and leave her to see to things the mere fact of obeying her orders of feeling free to go about his business again and talk with other men restored his shaken balance and magnified his sense of what he owed her her efficiency shamed and dazzled him she seemed to possess by instinct all the household wisdom that his long apprenticeship had not instilled in him when the end came It was she who had to tell him to hitch up and go for the undertaker, and she thought it funny that he had not settled beforehand who was to have his mother's clothes in the sewing-machine. After the funeral, when he saw her preparing to go away, he was seized with an unreasoning dread of being left alone on the farm, and before he knew what he was doing, he had asked her to stay there with him. He had often thought since that it would not have happened if his mother had died in spring instead of winter. When they married, it was agreed that as soon as he could straighten out the difficulties resulting from Mrs. Frome's long illness, they would sell the farm and sawmill, and try their luck in a large town. Ethan's love of nature did not take the form of a taste for agriculture he had always wanted to be an engineer and to live in towns where there were lectures and big libraries and fellows doing things a slight engineering job in florida put in his way during his period of study at worcester increased his faith in his ability as well as his eagerness to see the world and he felt sure that with a smart wife like Zena, it would not be long before he had made himself a place in it Zena's native village was slightly larger and nearer to the railway than Starkfield, and she had let her husband see from the first that life on an isolated farm was not what she had expected when she married. But purchasers were slow in coming, and while he waited for them, Ethan learned the impossibility of transplanting her. She chose to look down on Starkfield, but she could not have lived in a place which looked down on her even bettsbridge or Shad's falls would not have been sufficiently aware of her and in the greater cities which attracted ethan she would have suffered a complete loss of identity and within a year of their marriage she developed the sickliness which had since made her notable even in a community rich in pathological instances when she came to take care of his mother she had seemed to ethan like the very genius of health but he soon saw that her skill as a nurse had been acquired by the absorbed observation of her own symptoms then she too fell silent perhaps it was the inevitable effect of life on the farm or perhaps as she sometimes said it was because ethan never listened the charge was not wholly unfounded when she spoke it was only to complain and to complain of things not in his power to remedy, and to check a tendency to impatient retort, he had first formed the habit of not answering her, and finally of thinking of other things while she talked of late, however, since he had reasons for observing her more closely, her silence had begun to trouble him. He recalled his mother's growing taciturnity and wondered if Zena were also turning queer women did he knew Zena, who had at her fingers ends the pathological chart of the whole region had cited many cases of the kind while she was nursing his mother and he himself knew of certain lonely farmhouses in the neighborhood where stricken creatures pined and of others where sudden tragedy had come of their presence at times Looking at Zena's shut face, he felt the chill of such forebodings. At other times, her silence seemed deliberately assumed to conceal far-reaching intentions, mysterious conclusions drawn from suspicions and resentments impossible to guess. That supposition was even more disturbing than the other, and it was the one which had come to him the night before, when he had seen her standing in the kitchen door now her departure for bettsbridge had once more eased his mind and all his thoughts were on the prospect of his evening with mattie only one thing weighed on him and that was his having told Zena that he was to receive cash for the lumber he foresaw so clearly the consequences of this imprudence that with considerable reluctance he decided to ask andrew hale for a small advance on his load when Ethan drove into Hale's yard the builder was just getting out of his sleigh. "Hello, Eth," he said, "this comes handy." Andrew Hale was a ruddy man, with a big gray mustache and a stubbly double chin unconstrained by a collar. But his scrupulously clean shirt was always fastened by a small diamond stud. This display of opulence was misleading for though he did a fairly good business it was known that his easy-going habits and the demands of his large family frequently kept him what starkfield called behind he was an old friend of ethan's family and his house was one of the few to which Zena occasionally went drawn there by the fact that mrs hale in her youth had done more doctoring than any other woman in starkfield and was still a recognized authority on symptoms and treatment hale went up to the greys and patted their sweating flanks well sir he said you keep them too as if they was pets ethan set about unloading the logs and when he had finished his job he pushed open the glazed door of the shed which the builder used as his office hale sat with his feet up on the stove his back propped against a battered desk strewn with papers the place like the man was warm genial and untidy sit right down and thaw out he greeted ethan the latter did not know how to begin but at length he managed to bring out his request for an advance of fifty dollars the blood rushed to his thin skin under the sting of hale's astonishment it was the builder's custom to pay at the end of three months and there was no precedent between the two men for a cash settlement ethan felt that if he had pleaded an urgent need hale might have made shift to pay him but pride and an instinctive prudence kept him from resorting to this argument after his father's death it had taken time to get his head above water and he did not want andrew hale or any else in Stargfield, to think he was going under again besides he hated lying if he wanted the money he wanted it and it was nobody's business to ask why he therefore made his demand with the awkwardness of a proud man who will not admit to himself that he is stooping and he was not much surprised at hale's refusal the builder refused genially as he did everything else. He treated the matter as something in a matter of a practical joke, and wanted to know if Ethan meditated buying a grand piano or adding a cupolo to his house, offering in the latter case to give his services free of cost. Ethan's arts were soon exhausted, and after an embarrassed pause he wished Hale good day and opened the door of the office. As he passed out, the builder suddenly called after him see here you ain't in a tight place are you not a bit ethan's pride retorted before his reason had time to intervene well that's good because i am a shade fact is i was going to ask you to give me a little extra time on that payment business is pretty slack to begin with and then i'm fixin up a little house for ned and ruth when they're married i'm glad to do it for em but it costs his look appealed to ethan for sympathy the young people like things nice you know how it is yourself it's not so long ago since you fixed up your own place for Zena. ethan left the greys in hale's stable and went about some other business in the village As he walked away, the builder's last phrase lingered in his ears, and he reflected grimly that his seven years with Zeena seemed to Starkfield not so long. The afternoon was drawing to an end, and here and there a lighted pane spangled the cold gray dusk and made the snow look whiter. The bitter weather had driven everyone indoors, and Ethan had the long rural street to himself. Suddenly he heard the brisk play of sleigh-bells, and a cutter passed him, drawn by a free-going horse. Ethan recognized Michael Edie's roan colt, and young Dennis Edie, in a handsome new fur cap, leaned forward and waved a greeting. "Hello, Eth," he shouted, and spun on. The cutter was going in the direction of the Frome farm, and Ethan's heart contracted as he listened to the dwindling bells. What more likely than that Dennis Eady had heard of Zena's departure for Bettsbridge, and was profiting by the opportunity to spend an hour with Mattie? Ethan was ashamed of the storm of jealousy in his breast. It seemed unworthy of the girl that his thoughts of her should be so violent. He walked on to the church corner, and entered the shade of the Varnum spruces, where he had stood with her the night before. As he passed into their gloom he saw an indistinct outline just ahead of him. At his approach it melted for an instant into two separate shapes, and then conjoined again, and he heard a kiss, and a half-laughing, oh, provoked by the discovery of his presence again the outline hastily disunited and the varnum gate slammed on one half while the other hurried on ahead of him ethan smiled at the discomfiture he had caused what did it matter to ned hale and ruth varnum if they were caught kissing each other everybody in Stockfield knew they were engaged it pleased ethan to have surprised a pair of lovers on the spot where he and Mattie had stood with such a thirst for each other in their hearts and he felt a pang at the thought that these two need not hide their happiness he fetched the greys from hale's stable and started on his long climb back to the farm the cold was less sharp than earlier in the day and a thick fleecy sky threatened snow for the morrow Here and there a star pricked through, showing behind it a deep well of blue. In an hour or two the moon would push over the ridge behind the farm, burn a gold-edged rent in the clouds, and then be swallowed by them. A mournful peace hung on the fields, as though they felt the relaxing grasp of the cold, and stretched themselves in their long winter sleep. Ethan's ears were alert for the jingle of sleigh-bells, but not a sound broke the silence of the lonely road. As he drew near the farm, he saw, through the thin screen of larches at the gate, a light twinkling in the house above him. "'She's up in her room,' he said to himself, fixing herself up for supper. And he remembered Zena's sarcastic stare, when Mattie, on the evening of her arrival, had come down to supper with smooth hair and a ribbon at her neck he passed by the graves on the knoll and turned his head to glance at one of the older headstones which had interested him deeply as a boy because it bore his name sacred to the memory of ethan frome and endurance his wife who dwelled together in peace for fifty years he used to think that fifty years sounded like a long time to live together, but now it seemed to him that they might pass in a flash. Then, with a sudden dart of irony, he wondered if, when their turn came, the same epitaph would be written over him and Zena. He opened the barn door and craned his head into the obscurity, half fearing to discover Dennis Edy's roan colt in the stall beside the Sorrel but the old horse was there alone, mumbling his crib with toothless jaws, and Ethan whistled cheerfully while he bedded down the greys and shook an extra measure of oats into their mangers. His was not a tuneful throat, but harsh melodies burst from it as he locked the barn and sprang up the hill to the house. He reached the kitchen porch and turned the door-handle, but the door did not yield to his touch. Startled at finding it locked, he rattled the handle violently. Then he reflected that Mattie was alone, and that it was natural she should barricade herself at nightfall. He stood in the darkness expecting to hear her step. It did not come. And after vainly straining his ears, he called out in a voice that shook with joy, "Hello, Matt!' Silence answered but in a minute or two he caught a sound on the stairs and saw a line of light about the door-frame as he had seen it the night before so strange was the precision with which the incidents of the previous evening were repeating themselves that he half expected when he heard the key turn to see his wife before him on the threshold but the door opened and mattie faced him she stood just as Zena had stood, a lifted lamp in her hand against the black background of the kitchen. She held the light at the same level, and it drew out with the same distinctness her slim young throat and the brown wrist no bigger than a child's. Then, striking upward, it threw a lustrous fleck on her lips, edged her eyes with velvet shade, and laid a milky whiteness above the black curve of her brows. She wore her usual dress of darkish stuff, and there was no bow at her neck, but through her hair she had run a streak of crimson ribbon. This tribute to the unusual transformed and glorified her. She seemed to Ethan taller, fuller, more womanly in shape and motion. She stood aside, smiling silently, while he entered, and then moved away from him with something soft and flowing in her gait. She set the lamp on the table, and he saw that it was carefully laid for supper, with fresh doughnuts, stewed blueberries, and his favorite pickles in a dish of gay red glass. A bright fire glowed in the stove, and the cat lay stretched before it, watching the table with a drowsy eye. Ethan was suffocated with a sense of well-being. He went out into the passage to hang up his coat and pull off his wet boots. When he came back, Mattie had set the teapot on the table, and the cat was rubbing itself persuasively against her ankles. "'Why, puss, I nearly tripped over you,' she cried, with laughter sparkling through her lashes. Again Ethan felt a sudden twinge of jealousy. Could it be his coming that gave her such a kindled face?' "'Well, Matt, any visitors?' he threw off, stooping down carelessly to examine the fastening of the stove. She nodded and laughed. "'Yes, one.' And he felt a blackness settling on his brows. "'Who was that?' he questioned, raising himself up to slant a glance at her beneath his scowl. Her eyes danced with malice. "'Why, Jotham Powell!' he came in after he got back and asked for a drop of coffee before he went down home the blackness lifted and light flooded ethan's brain well that all well i hope you made out to let him have it and after a pause he felt it right to add i suppose he got zeena over to the flats all right oh yes in plenty of time THE NAME THREW A CHILL BETWEEN THEM, AND THEY STOOD A MOMENT LOOKING SIDEWAYS AT EACH OTHER, BEFORE MATTY SAID WITH A SHY LAUGH, I-, I GUESS IT'S ABOUT TIME FOR SUPPER. THEY DREW THEIR SEATS UP TO THE TABLE, AND THE CAT, UNBIDDEN, JUMPED BETWEEN THEM INTO ZENA'S EMPTY CHAIR. "Oh, PUSS, SAID Mattie, AND THEY LAUGHED AGAIN. ETHAN, A MOMENT EARLIER, had felt himself on the brink of eloquence, but the mention of Zena had paralyzed him. Mattie seemed to feel the contagion of his embarrassment, and sat with downcast lids, sipping her tea, while he feigned an insatiable appetite for doughnuts and sweet pickles. At last, after casting about for an effective opening, he took a long gulp of tea, cleared his throat, and said, "'Looks as if there'd be more snow.' She feigned great interest. "'Is that so? Do you suppose it'll interfere with Zena's getting back?' She flushed red as the question escaped her, and hastily set down the cup she was lifting. Ethan reached over for another helping of pickles. "Ah, "'You never can tell, this time of year. It drifts so bad on the flats.' the name had benumbed him again and once more he felt as if zina were in the room between them oh puss you are too greedy mattie cried the cat unnoticed had crept up on muffled paws from zina's seat to the table and was stealthily elongating its body in the direction of the milk-jug which stood between ethan and mattie the two leaned forward at the same moment and their hands met on the handle of the jug. Matty's hand was underneath, and Ethan kept his clasped on it a moment longer than was necessary. The cat, profiting by this unusual demonstration, tried to effect an unnoticed retreat, and in doing so backed into the pickle dish, which fell to the floor with a crash. Matty, in an instant, had sprung from her chair and was down on her knees by the fragments, oh Ethan, Ethan, it's all to pieces. What will Zena say by this time? His courage was up. well, she'll have to say it to the cat anyway. He rejoined with a laugh, kneeling down at Matty's side to scrape up the swimming pickles. She lifted stricken eyes to him, yes, but you see she never meant it should be used not even when there was company and i had to get up on the step-ladder to reach it down from the top shelf of the china closet where she keeps it with all her best things and of course she'll want to know why i did it the case was so serious that it called forth all of ethan's latent resolution you needn't know anything about it if you keep quiet I'll get another, just like it, to-morrow. Where did it come from? I'll go to Shad's Falls for it, if I have to." "'Oh, you'll never get another one there. It was a wedding-present, don't you remember? It came all the way from Philadelphia, from Zena's aunt that married the minister. That's why she wouldn't ever use it. Oh, Ethan, Ethan, what in the world shall I do?' She began to cry and he felt as if every one of her tears were pouring over him like burning lead. "'Don't, Matt, don't! Oh, don't!' he employed her. She struggled to her feet, and he rose and followed her helplessly, while she spread out the pieces of glass on the kitchen dresser. It seemed to him as if the shattered fragments of their evening lay there. "'Here, give them to me.' he said in a voice of sudden authority she drew aside instinctively obeying his tone oh ethan what are we going to do without replying he gathered the pieces of glass into his broad palm and walked out of the kitchen to the passage there he lit a candle-end opened the china closet and reaching his long arm up to the highest shelf laid the pieces together with such accuracy of touch that a close inspection convinced him of the impossibility of detecting from below that the dish was broken if he glued it together the next morning months might elapse before his wife noticed what had happened and meanwhile he might after all be able to match the dish at Shad's falls or bettsbridge having satisfied himself that there was no risk of immediate discovery he went back to the kitchen with a lighter step and found mattie disconsolately removing the last scraps of pickle from the floor it's all right matt come back and finish supper he commanded her completely reassured she shone on him through tear-hung lashes and his soul swelled with pride as he saw how his tone subdued her she did not even ask what he had done Except when he was steering a big log down the mountain to his mill, he had never known such a thrilling sense of mastery chapter four.